Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Pokey Talk podcast. Real excited to bring you this one. I am here with Philip once again. What's going on? Hey, another day, another time of recording. I'm loving it. Yep. So we got a nice one for you today. Today we're going to be talking about graded versus raw. So graded cards versus raw cards. What that means for collecting. What does that mean when you're buying cards, selling cards, and kind of sharing some insight to uh, our own methods and what we do ourselves. And we do want to touch a little bit on the influence that each grading company has in the hobby um, a lot of new grading companies out there nowadays, and uh, yeah, just kind of a little deep dive on all the grading. So another thing that we want to talk about, the last episode was really nice, really deep discussion. Uh, we might be leaning towards kind of doing like a layout or alternating those types of episodes in with our more informative ones. So maybe like a deep, more freelance discussion and then followed up by more info or specific topic related, such as this one. So something we're kind of dabbling with. But uh, yeah, what you been up to since our last episode, Philip? Well, I finally binged and completed Better Call Saul. And I went right into The Walking Dead. And I'm loving it. I'm, I got like three obsessions right now. It is, po- it is Pokemon and The Walking Dead with the comics and the shows, so yeah. <laughs> nice. I'm, a little, I'm loving life right now. I can't really complain. I like that, like when you find a nice show or nice something to watch. I watch a lot of YouTube, so I'll find a new YouTuber or a new series and just turn it on and do some organizing in my collection or do a deep dive on stuff, and those are the best nights. It usually happens for me like after 1 a.m. I'm <laughs> just kind of in my own zone. Well, yeah, like for The Walking Dead, I actually watched that when it first aired, and I watched that pretty religiously until season seven, but that's when I just kind of, basically, I was playing too much Pokemon Go, <laughs> Yeah. and I just, uh, and before I know it, we're on the final season, and I would like to read, finish the comics, so, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, I've heard mixed things about with my, from my brother and other folks as the show progresses, so we'll see what happens, I'll have to be the judge of that. I I watched it for sure the first three seasons like pretty pretty you know closely, mm. and then uh, maybe a season after that, and then they started kind of branching off on all these you know different things and just kind of started to lose interest. And I think a lot of people did, but then it kind of came back a little bit. So uh, pretty pretty cool. They're actually finishing things, so maybe now it has a definitive end. Might have to go back and check it out or something. Yeah, a lot of people I don't think realize where how far the the comics go. A lot of people think like I've lost interest. I'm like, well, they're taking their inspiration from the comics, so like you know they ha- they have an end game, and it's a little bit of a ways away. Uh, but you know, teach around the show is so emotionally intensive that I I understand it's not for everybody because I mean it. I mean, geez. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if if you've seen it, you know exactly what I mean. It is it can be draining. So. Yep, but uh, that's kind of all we want to touch on for the intro. We, should we uh, hop in some news? Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's go trade in the news. Uh, we got it's not it's not really a, a strong news cycle, um, but one thing we have is more dark phantasma cards were revealed, um, 
And we have a there's a pretty cool Gengar line. They have more sparkling cards. Uh, this one's of Gardevoir, so they are continuing that trend, and I think that's awesome of them. I already got my Greninja, my sparkling Greninja. It's it's in the mail. It's coming nice. from Japan. So, uh, but yeah, um, I'm glad they're continuing these trend of sparkling cards because honestly, th- this is these are cards that I could see myself collecting like the whole set. And uh, I'm really, really enjoying that they're they're starting off with some hangers too, Gardevoir, Greninja, Halucha, Heatran, and uh, a few more of these cards from Phantasma. We're still waiting to see everything, obviously, but they got Hiswain Gudra and Hiswain Zorark. I'm hoping that means that they're going to have alt arts. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping. Uh, Gudra is a low-key personal favorite of mine. Um, I was literally about to say that, but I didn't want to cut <laughs> you off. I like he's that. so derpy. He's probably he's, so... <laughs> he's like the Dragonite of the new gen, and he's probably one of my favorites. Like he's literally on my team in the Sun and Moon games for like when I was going through those. So I like the second of all form, kind of a little better than Gudra. Maybe there's Gumi, and then. I can't even remember the second form, <laughs> but then yeah, Gudra. Yeah, and Pokemon Go, I haven't evolved it yet all the way. I have the uh, Gumi, um, but I have yet. Well, I mean, that's just usually how things are. I, I don't evolve things until they have a community usually. But I feel like I'm going to be waiting a long time for that. But no, it's. I mean, he looks so sad. Yeah, <laughs> Slig Sligu is the second form. That's it. I kept, that's I kept it, wanting yeah. to say like Slugma. I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't get that out of my head as one of those times. But I like Sligulu a lot, and then Guja's pretty cool. And he's pretty popular in the anime, I think. Doesn't uh, yeah. he featured a lot? Yeah, he's in... Uh, which one was it? Uh, what, was it Journeys? He was like one of his... I don't, it it might have been Kalos, actually. Uh, where he... You know you know how, how they have it with the show with Ash. Like, it, it never fails let's get you this fully or let's get you this Pokemon. That's going to be awesome. when it's fully evolved. And then after about halfway through, you decide it needs to be back home where it belongs or whatever. Yeah. And goodbye. Goodbye. See you later. <laughs> See you later. Yeah. Uh, you have more important things to do. And yeah, I mean, it's, I understand it's like a plot device that allows, it allows like, uh, for room for growth with the character growth with, uh, within each journey. So, I get it, but it's just kind of lame because it's always the good Pokemon that it happens to. Like he did, he did with Greninja, Charizard, and, you know, always yeah. the good ones. I think they kind of write them out to where they're kind of non-existent anymore, and so they leave it open to where they could come back somehow. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're bringing it back to Ash Greninja with the, with the newer one, but I'm not really sure. I've I've only seen what they've had with Netflix. Like, I don't go out of my way to stream it somewhere, like, the before it's translated. Usually, like, with other shows, like, you know, with Naruto, I did that. Bleach, I did that. Dragon Ball Super, I, I did that. But don't really feel like doing that with, with Pokemon because it's just... It's fun to casually watch, but at the same yeah. time, it's it's hard to give it a lot of your personal attention like that. Mm-hmm, for sure. Well, uh, one other piece of news I want to talk about, you know, like you said, it's kind of a short news cycle, not much happening. 
but this has potential to be pretty big. We don't really know too much about it, but the Pokemon company who has been partnered with Millennium Printing Company for quite some time, I want to say 2015, mm-hmm. um, they actually bought the company. Pokemon Company bought Millennium Printing Company. So, interesting move. And, uh, you know, I think this is just North America side. And yeah. based in one of the Carolinas and here in the U.S. So, interesting move. They were basically... You know, I don't know how it all works, if it's like a contract or a, some type of business agreement with this company to print stuff for the Pokemon company. And that, that has been going on ever since 2015. And they actually just bought the whole company. And there's not much details, like I said. No. But there was a quote, though. And this, to me, was like the most interesting thing. Let me see if I can pop this up because I just want to read it word for word. It said, uh, we will work to expand capabilities, infrastructure, and scale to become uh, the premier printer of trading cards servicing a broader industry. So it makes you think, you know, they're just buying the company to, of course, expand and, you know, be more efficient in their own business. But they're talking about, in that last part, to me anyways, that they're looking at servicing the broader market, meaning like they could provide resources or actually print cards of other TCGs. Um, so that that's kind of the part to me that has me most interested. Um, or how would that work? You know, if we see yeah. 2020 boom, where Pokemon's just going to be like, sorry, we're printing our own stuff. I don't know. It's just going to be. It's just going to be weird. So Millennium Print Group is going to be under the Pokemon umbrella. So It definitely feels like, I'm sure, I mean, there's a variety of reasons why they would go out and do this. I mean, they've been partners for long, and they probably work close enough to together. It's just, I can't help but think, like, the Pokemon company is looking at a way to streamline all this. Like, we're just going to absorb you because we can afford it. Yeah. And, you know, there, there, there might be some ancillary reasons like they want other companies to cut them a check i guess to print their product uh i mean i guess that could be it but that seems like more of like the cause and effect not not the main reasons i do know there's been some whispers i I don't know how i I mean i'm sure it's not all of it it's also probably another ancillary reason but i know there's been some leaks and i'm wondering if maybe the pokemon wants to try to cut down on that a little bit that would definitely uh make sense but obviously streamlining like owning everything the whole process like it cheapens everything yeah um and they've already changed like we'll talk about this a little bit a little bit further in this episode but they've already changed the stock when it comes to the english card i wonder if maybe they're trying to actually bring that quality closer to the japanese product maybe maybe that was my Um, biggest thing yeah yeah that's kind of like th- those are a few of the takeaways I have with it. Um, I, I don't think it's going to change too much uh, within the hobby itself, so I, I don't think, anyways. Yeah, I don't think so either. It's just going to make it, like you said, more streamlined <laughs> and easier. And maybe, you know, the print quality, like I said, was one of the biggest things for me to take away. 
You know, yeah. they have these companies in Japan that it's been known Japanese quality has just been like top tier for a long time. Yep. It's always been like that. Um, it was just recently, 2016-ish, where, you know, card stock on the English side started to get a little better. The misprinted cards and the off-center cards started to, you know, slow down and be more controlled, it seemed like. And if you think about it, if they started working with this company in 2015, they were probably printing like evolutions a year early and all that stuff. So, you know, that, that changeover could be directly related because this company was working with Pokemon just a year later. Um, yeah. So, or, you know, a year before that set came out. So the gears were kind of all turning around the same time. So maybe that had a say in why the quality had a jump. But now with Pokemon being overseeing, like basically seeing everything about the business and all the details, maybe they'll try to make it pretty even across the board, Japanese and English side. And, you know, they could coordinate whatever they get their supplies from, make sure all the supplies are the same source and they could do all kinds of things on that end. I do know the quality, um, you know, from 2020 going into 21, for example, Battle Styles. Um, the quality was so atrocious whenever I bought that case of Battle Styles that it actually was one of the deciding factors to push me off uh, English product um, for a long time. Yeah. And I still don't buy a lot of English product for that reason. It was just a nightmare. You get, I would get some decent polls and you look at it, oh, this is probably OC. Like, th- like they cut so bad that I mean, I I pulled the secret rare. Uh, what was it? The golden Intellion, and straight up, I think it can be classified as an air card. <laughs> yeah. And it, and the thing is, the thing was, it wasn't just that one. It was every single good card you pull was like that. And as a consumer, that is incredibly frustrating to see that quality. I I understand, you know, with with all the extraneous factors going on. But I'm hoping that they are listening to their Western Western consumer base and be like, yeah, you know, we are we are frustrated with the quality and of of the product and what you're giving us. And then you see the Japanese quality and you see how how much time and effort they put to make sure everything is spot on. Yeah. And it's just very, very, very frustrating. It, it really is. But then we're going to see more CGC 9.5s and people are just going to complain <laughs> some more. <laughs> well, that, yeah, there's already a lot of, uh, we're already seeing more 10s. I mean, not more 10s <laughs> because of CGC, but uh, because of that stock change, I think it's having immediate effects within yeah. the rating. But yeah. I don't know if it's related, you know to Japanese versus English or whatnot, but I've just been generally seeing a trend on a lot of YouTube channels I watch, and uh, they've been getting back a lot more CGC 10s, whereas like two, three months ago, it was pretty rough waters for CGC returns on getting 10s. Like, I've noticed, I've noticed this just in the last week, like even the last four days, I mean... There's been uh, some good CGC returns out there on people who pretty frequently send out to both of the main grading companies. I'm not buying that just yet. I'm not either. Not, it's just a yeah. weird, weird yeah. that I'm seeing it all at once. All at once, yeah. 
I think it's just because of the CDC pop tool that uh, was just released within the last month. So yeah, the last what 15 days, two weeks. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think this, uh, I think this millennium print group would be interesting to pay attention to for, 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 for down the line. Cause usually when something like this happens, you don't really see it. You don't really see the results until like six plus months later. That's how it was with the uh, TCPI increased any capacity. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, we, you, you know, you heard about it and then nine months later, celebrations drop and it's like, Oh, all right. <laughs> this all makes sense now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, people are going to forget about it and yeah, yeah, it'll just be, factored in yeah so yeah maybe they'll get the uh supply issues more dialed in with that since they have direct numbers and they can maybe expand because they said basically you know expand and do everything you know be more efficient essentially and get bigger Um, yeah i'm sure also part of the process is too is they were seeing i mean there's a lot of factors that were again going into the shortages of the cards but i think they believe they can make it more efficient from top to bottom, from from the from the cardboard going into the printers to the product being delivered to source that you go and pick up. I think they're it's just a little bit of everything. There's there's factors here, there, you know, that they think that they can do better than what they are doing. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think that about do it for the news. Um, yeah. Not much happening, but that that one thing yeah. could be a, a pretty pretty big one down the road. So we'll keep you updated on all that. But uh, yeah, our main topic today is going to be grading versus raw, and just kind of general stuff that goes into thinking about graded cards and raw cards, and just kind of comparing the two. Um. Figured the best way would be to break this up into groups. We're going to talk about like what's it mean for the collector, what's it mean for the buyer, what's it mean for the seller, and then we'll kind of go into our personal experience, kind of tell you what we do, and then maybe hit on some more specific stuff after that, like how to find stuff on eBay or does PSA have strong influence versus the other grading companies or what does CGC's respect look like in today's market since they're kind of newer and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. What is your opinion, Philip, on graded versus raw when it comes to collecting? Like, what do you see as like some of the upsides or downsides or negatives to graded and raw in your collection? So whenever I first came back into the hobby, I was enamored by the aspect of graded cars, by the prestige that it, that it gave off. And that's obviously one of the first things I was going for. It's like, oh, man, PSA 9, PSA 10, this car looks so cool. It's just all the colors from the cards. Like, you know, you're just being, it's like a shiny object, and you're just like, whoa, you know? Yeah. Um, you're just... Everything was coming at me at once, but graded cards, I really like the allure of it as well. Um, but as I began bu- buying, I mean, I did buy a decent amount of graded cards in the beginning. I have a good size um, chunk of graded cards, and I obviously have several orders from, from CGC and PSA, so I have, I, even now I have a little bit of an inventory of uh, 
graded cards. But as I continue to collect, I started going more towards Raw. And one of the factors was one for newer cards. A lot of times you can find product that is very similar to a 9 or 10. I mean, 10 sometimes is a little bit of luck. I mean, with PSA, you can you can probably spot a 10, especially when it comes to modern product. Yeah. And I just saw it as saving money. Like, I'll buy this card near mint. Obviously, I'm going to look through the photos. I'll ask the say if it's on eBay. I'll ask the, the seller for more photos. And if it looks good, I mean, you're still taking a chance because – can't always be for sure because sometimes a deep scratch in just the right area is all that takes. You might not be able to see that. Um, so there is a little bit of risk involved from buying raw, right? So I just began just even cards like that I wanted slabbed. I was like, I'm just going to try to spot the best near mint card I can on eBay and I'm going to buy raw. And the idea is to grade those myself. And there's, there's a little something about the, the process. Like you get your own cards and then you get it graded and it comes back and it will validate, were you right with your judgment? Were you wrong? Did you get bad luck? I really, really think that for modern, you're probably, like, just, me me personally, I, sh- I shouldn't tell anybody else what to do, but for me personally, I'm just going to buy raw for, for yeah. my modern product. Um, but there was some cards that I couldn't buy raw. Well, I could bu- have bought raw, but it wasn't worth my time because I was trying to get a 10. And those cards in particular were the, was the AR set from Platinum Arceus, the uh, all nine of the Arceus. Like, you look at some of them I probably could have gotten away with by a near mint, but some of the of the 10 percentages is relatively low. It's like 20%. That was taking a lot of risk, especially for the AR4, which is the most difficult one to grade. It's the ice one for, for the, for the uh, Arceus. And I was looking at how you know, the percentages like pop reports can, can be misleading. Um, and, but the percentage is what I was, I was going after. And I was like, you know what? I want this card. I would like to have all, the whole set in the 10 one day. So I'm just going to go ahead and buy the 10 with this card. And I, I don't regret that decision. And it, it, even now with the pop report, you, you look at it and, I mean, they haven't gone up very much more, and the percentages still stay the same. Yeah. So there are some cards you just kind of have to make that judgment call on. Um, and then there's other cards where sometimes a nine isn't too too far off from the near mint card. Like, for example, the special delivery Pikachu. The nine is like, what, 140, maybe 150? Yeah, and not too the bad. Raw, yeah, and the raw is like 100, 115, 120. I mean, now sometimes you can get bad luck because we both know there's some print lines on, on, on those cards. So sometimes you do have to be careful. Like it is taking a risk, but if you do what I just said, like you look at the photos closely, you ask for more photos, and you're willing to take on that risk that that you believe, like you you believe in yourself and you believe in your judgment. I mean, there's no reason to buy the mint card if the if the nine is basically the same as. Yeah, uh, you know, like the the cost difference is negligible, so you might as well go with the the graded nine in that one if if that's what you want. Um, now, say if you're collecting like a binder copy of all all sorts of P- 
Pikachu promos, then you probably just want to buy the raw copy. And then it comes to Vintage, which is another different aspect. I mean, for me, I, I want the binder sets. I'm not trying to uh, buy everything near mint when it comes to Vintage, which is becoming h- harder to come by, especially anything Shadowless or First Edition. And even, uh, I mean, Unlimited, you can still find near mint, in, but it seems like even that's becoming a little bit more difficult in certain tiers because everybody sent it off to be graded. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, for me, if it's newer, I'll go raw. If it's older, I'll go raw unless it's of basically Komiya. Like, I do want first edition slabs of all of Komiya's art from uh, the Neo. And to, into well, the Neos were the only one that had first edition, but any ones that are first edition, I want slapped. Yeah, and I'm not gonna be buying those cards raw. Probably, I'm gonna be buying them straight slabbed because it'll be more difficult to find cards that are PSA nine. Um, now, I mean, I will try to look. Obviously, like you always want to do your research before you ever started to make purchases that even if it's a smaller purchase you always want to do your research to make sure you're not wasting money you're not you're not spending more than what you should because some of those rcs i did buy during the hype and they have fallen just a little bit luckily it's not significant but still it does happen yeah uh but if you're buying vintage like unlimited base you're not going to have the head issue anytime soon so yeah Yeah, I think, you know, ultimately everything we're talking about is going to come down to what you want, but trying to like neglect that for more informational purposes. But yeah, yeah, I think your, your Arceus cards are a perfect example. You know, you wanted the 10 and you paid up for the 10s, but that card, it's... A, it's, you know, kind of in a set where not many people were collecting. I was collecting with, like, two other people that I knew total, aside from, like, the five YouTubers that were pretty decent size on YouTube doing stuff. You know, there it was kind of a, a dead zone or forgotten zone of Pokemon, so print runs weren't that big. But the biggest thing is, is that... Those cards, you know, being not so many out there, um, a lot of people didn't grade back then, especially those cards. And so there's not many graded. And you might look, uh, you know, well, it was just a slow time for Pokemon. Over time, a lot more of those cards are going to be graded, which, yeah, it's it might be true, but you're dealing with the fact that a lot of people don't have those cards. And on top of that, if they do... They haven't been graded for like 10 plus years. So, or whenever the sets came out, you know. So it's very unlikely that those cards are going to go up. Whereas like, you know, base set, so many people have base set. Those numbers are going to keep climbing. And granted, you know, they're 20, 25 years old. The quality on some of those, you know, you're going to hit nines and tens very rarely but just the mass quantity of that you know there's going to be a few diamonds in the rough per se whereas like the rcs cards there's that quality 
might be out there, but the quantity is just not existent to anything close to that level. Yeah, so. and I'm looking at all the numbers here, and I mean, the AR1, which isn't surprising, has the highest percentage. That one's, uh, or not AR1, but AR1 and 8. Those were, they're more darker by background, so that's not surprising that those have a higher uh, rate of 10s. But if you, I'm looking at them all right now, I mean, they're less than 25%. Yeah, 20, 15, 20 percent. And as you mentioned, like they're not, I mean, nobody thought these cards would be worth anything. Nobody because this was during the time where Pokemon still wasn't even graded. wasn't exactly like first edition Charizard. It wasn't exactly outrageous prices. Still, nobody thought any of this would be money so that when it comes to condition, especially tens in this case, that's something where it is going to be difficult in, in obtaining a 10 because mm-hmm. as you have people in their with their binder copies or maybe they were, I mean, all it takes is just one wrong nick, right? <laughs> you know, so, and, and every I, year, yeah. I was going to say, I had them all back then and they're probably like $5 range tops. I mean. Even in raw, they're not that expensive now. They're like maybe 20 bucks. Yeah. If that. Yeah, like mint top of line quality. I mean. Five dollars or less back in the day, like sixty bucks or fifty bucks, got you the whole set in like mint condition. That would be grade worthy, but people still didn't grade them. So, yeah, interesting stuff. Um, I was gonna say something else. I can't remember what it was. Maybe in terms of like modern, like yeah, grading is just kind of the way to go now. Um, yeah. My personal experience, I was kind of the opposite. Like, I was almost anti-grading all the way up until practically 2020, <laughs> where, like, the money was a factor that you just couldn't ignore anymore. I bought many PSA 9 cards that I've actually cracked out of the case to put into binders over the years just because I wanted a good copy just to store in my binder as, like, a good copy, and I knew... You know, obviously being a nine, <laughs> it was a good copy. Yeah. Uh, maybe I should have bought like a seven or eight or something. But uh, yeah, so I just didn't really care about the money factor. It was more just solely driven, just like I liked it and I wanted to collect it. And I liked binder sets and I wanted to have it in the binder. And uh, I've almost cracked out my... First edition Charizard multiple times just to put it in my first edition binder. But that's the one card that survived, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, so it was all coming from a collecting standpoint. You know, grading was around, but it wasn't that big a deal. Um, and then, yeah, 2020, the money factor kind of became impossible to ignore. So today, if it's a specific card that I know I want just as the card itself, like, and it's pretty standalone card. I try to buy graded. I've been kind of hunting Japanese promos kind of slowly over the last couple years, but those I only buy graded. Um, if it's like a semi cheap 10, if it's like over a thousand dollars though, I really like finding, a raw copy that is a really strong chance at a 10 and I'm I've gotten pretty good at kind of seeing that I haven't really struck out on any of those within the last 10 years but I'm real careful to how I do it 
but stuff like the beauty looking back Pikachu that just came out last year, um, that's semi cheap in a PSA 10. I think that card will do well over time. And like you mentioned for the special delivery Pikachu, a lot of the listings on eBay are to buy like both cards or to buy a mint copy of the Pikachu, the price difference to buying like a true near mint card versus buying, you know, the going ahead and putting money up for the PSA 10 is really not much of a difference. So cards like that, that are newer, lower price range, I'll just go ahead and buy them. But plus the quality of I'd like the one I have for the looking back promo, I didn't like put it under a loop or anything, but from inspection, it looks like it's going to be a PSA 10. And I also haven't looked at the, the pop report of that card specifically, but I have a feeling the quality is very high and the 10 percentage is going to be very high with that card. Yeah. And that's why I'm okay with buying the raw Japanese, even going back all the way to like green party trophy card that I bought uh, 2020 or maybe early last year. Like just the Japanese quality across the board was so good. So, you know, like if it's something you can't visually see more than likely, like it's going to be pretty good. But I would not, if I was the flip side and collecting, you know, vintage uh, English or English set cards or English promos, like I would not be buying raw at all just because there is a whole host of problems. And that kind of goes for our other talk about the Millennium Printing Group. You know, maybe that's all going to balance out down the road. But yeah, Japanese promos, especially modern Japanese promos, the quality on them is insane. Um, maybe I'm in the wrong for going ahead and just buying the PSA 10. I'm mostly doing that just to avoid the headache of having to wait and all that kind of instant gratification of just having the 10. And yeah. the cards that are more expensive that I'm doing that with, I have to pay for Express so I get them back kind of quick anyway, so it doesn't bother me as much. But what were you saying? Oh, I was just going to say that um, the only time I, I mean, I can't exactly, you know, sometimes when, you, when, you, when you're trying to buy uh, graded cards, you also got to look at your, your budget. And if I would go go hard on certain tens that would take away from other aspects of my collection goals and it's you basically put all of your eggs in one basket and you know some people can afford that but for me i i can't do that right now personally um so when it comes to buying buying tens the only time i do that is if it's a card of, or a pokemon that i really 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 like um, like eventually I'm probably just going to end up buying like the, the RCSV Altar since I am a RCS collector. I'll probably in due time, I'll probably just straight up buy that at a 10. Um, I, I have very little doubt that that, that is going to eventually be relatively cost effective, uh, to go that route. Um, and you know, I, I, I did just say like, you know, I usually only buy raw with, with modern, but the one caveat as if it's a card I really, really like. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I, th- I think that's how a lot of collectors should approach grading. Now, it has come to the point, like you mentioned, where it's impossible to ignore the price difference, but especially uh, between a 9 and a 10, or even just near, near mint grades to more lightly played grades, where 
you're leaving money on the table if you don't get it graded to one of the, the grading companies and you're, you pretty much force yourself to grade it or else you're going to, somebody else is going to do it for you and they're going to take that profit margin. Yeah. And you got to calculate it, like look at how much they've been selling for, maybe account for a little less and then look how much it would be to grade that card and then look how much like you think, like whatever it's whatever you think it's going to grade, you know, look at the prices of those. I get that's a lot for people who aren't like really knowledgeable in the hobby or do a lot of research, but uh you know, you can relatively find some general key information like if the card you have is just absolutely gorgeous and it's a particularly hard card to grade like anything from English sets that are older that's been in the binder collection and that's all you're seeing on eBay you know you can kind of gauge gauge pretty well ballpark for that but if the card is worth $100 and you're spending $100 to grade it it's not likely going to be in your favor unless it's like a true gem so if you're paying like 100% of the card's value in grading, like, you know, you got to really kind of know your stuff to find out if that stuff is worth it. Whereas like, you know, you're paying $100 to get a $1,000 card graded and it's like a no-brainer because it's a rare card or like a lot of people want it. Um, you know, it, it makes more sense. You're only paying like 10% of the card's value to get it graded. But yeah, don't be the guy that I saw on FB. It was more than just one that expressed uh, to BGS uh, the McDonald promos of the, of the Canto starters of the, the hollow promos um, from uh, last year. Yeah, he expressed them to BGS each one. And that's rough. I, I felt Part of me felt bad for the guy because the guy just wasted a lot of money because he thought he would make a quick buck. Um, but I also honestly just died of laughter. I, I really did. Yeah. Uh, there, like you know, you're met with people with, you know, maybe they're just trying to do what they think is cool, but there's so many, like, greedy factors on stuff like that. He, he, he was trying to be laugh. first to market. Yeah, he was trying to be first to market, and he was trying to. He was hoping for those tens. I mean, it might have worked if if he got a ten, but he didn't. He got all nines and nine point fives, unfortunately. Which you know, with the McDonald's cards, I mean, they, it printed so much of those that shouldn't be a, a surprise. Um, and I remember the person. You know, we also remember the person that was uh, um, bidding to get that one up to like one McDonald's PSA ten to like fourteen thousand or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, stuff like that. And you know, the Pikachu at peak was what sixty bucks, and quickly became forty, and then even less and less and less. And then you're paying Express to grade that. You're already paying more than the card's worth. And then, so that that should be the first red flag to be like, all right, what am I doing? And then you should think of how easy it was for you to get that card just driving mm -hmm. to the closest McDonald's how many McDonald's are there in the U S like that's a ridiculous amount of McDonald's and they all have these Pokemon cards and everyone's doing exactly what you're doing and driving every McDonald's buying the cards. Like you just got to think about that stuff and do not buy. This is just a general rule and not talking about grading even, but just do not buy 
modern cards, like right when they come out, it's kind of the yeah. same factor. If you're like buying packs and buying boxes or whatever, opening them up on opening day, like whatever, that's different. You're having fun doing that. You're experiencing something new. But if you're looking to build a set, don't go searching like release day and start buying up the cards unless you really like genuinely don't really care about losing money. Almost <laughs> every single card that is released in a new set, it's going to be rock bottom maybe three months later. I know it's kind of hard to uh, wait that long if you're super excited, but that method's really helped me out a lot. Because that's why I don't have a beauty looking back Pikachu and I'm looking at buying it right now. Like the hype has died down. There's a lot more graded. I'm going to get a way better deal than if I would have rushed out to get one. So and that's, yeah, there's that's kind of how it happens with grading too. Yeah, first to market might be crazy, but there's so many people competing with that. Like it's just kind of a roll of the dice. Like you're going to get burned eventually. And so many people are opening packs early now, like weeks early sometimes. Yeah. Some people are getting the product and they're opening before they should, or they have a dis It's one of the distributors or not, or not distributors, but a, a, uh, a store is doing this and they're trying to get in first when it comes to grading. Like by the time you get your cards for a new release set, somebody's already sent off the cards you're chasing to be graded. Yeah, if you're not the like, one it, buying from the distributor, like you shouldn't be even thinking about doing this because, like, that's way too late. Even if you're next door neighbors and it took them two hours to get it to you, like, people's already ahead of you. But, yeah, I mean, you know, you can maybe if you think you have like a perfect card, that'd be a little bit different. Um, like, I had uh the Marnie from Shiny Star V. It was already out for a while, but there was there wasn't a lot great. A lot of people still weren't giving a lot of Japanese product as much attention then. Uh, so the CGC was, especially in a ten, was going for crazy amounts. Um, and I wasn't quite ex expecting that when I got back. Unfortunately, I got a nine point five. Uh, there was one small flaw. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got I got a little frustrated with that because it would have been a PSA ten, absolutely. Um, yeah. But um, but uh. Yeah, you know, most of the time, it's already too late. So, it's not worth... Like, when everybody else is zigging, you want to zag, essentially. Yeah. If everybody else is doing the same thing, and you think you're like, oh, man, I'm so smart, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all this, so, you know, uh, easy accessibility of all these cards, I'm not thinking, I'm only thinking about money signs, I'm not thinking about outside myself and how many people are actually doing this, like taking a step back. Mm -hmm. And that, and that's when you could potentially l losing out hard. Um, and a lot of people are, are zigging right now in CGC. <laughs> I feel like, cause uh, celebration Charizard, that, that's one of them. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people are, uh, you know, now that the CGC pop reports out, and a little more respect has been, you know, given to CGC. Um, a lot of people, even before the pop report came out, I was one of these people. They were kind of buying up 9.5s of cards they liked because they weren't really getting respect and they might be selling like 
a lot of times 9.5, especially with decent or midline or upper subgrades, is going to be a PSA 10 pretty easily. So a lot of people are kind of catching on to this. I know I bought a couple promos from you that were 9.5s and a couple other random things here and there. But uh, pretty much everyone is kind of leaning towards that now. I remember looking at the Vaporeon V, just a normal V alt art from uh, Evolving Skies. I was actually looking at the Japanese version, but there was way more of those 9.5 cards with 9.5 subgrades out there about three months ago compared to today. And a lot of YouTubers have been talking about this, you know, pushing more towards CGC. And uh, people see 9.5s a lot because I think that just comes with being a 0.5 grading scale. Like... PSA would be the same way, in my opinion, if they had a 0.5 scale. And because uh, they would adjust accordingly to make the 10 a little harder, especially since they don't have like a perfect, you know, standout label or subgrade that differentiates the 10s between the best and the midline. They really do need to do that, in my opinion, have a perfect yeah. label. They don't, they don't have to do the subgrades, but... Having a perfect distinction, I think, would be huge as well for, for, for BSA. And also, just fairly quick, um, before we get too far from this subject, uh, there's also some sites that do help try to gauge uh, selling information um, for specific cards. Now, to our knowledge, no site like this is perfect. Um, one of the sites that I've used is pokedata.io. And... It has, for, like, for example, for the Umbreon VMAX Altar from Evolving Skies, it has the population report from, I guess it's about two weeks old, because I know it's not quite 100% accurate. Uh, and the prices, it has, you know, P PSA t uh, 10, 9, 8, and 7 sold. Um, you know, it just goes on. However, it is not perfect. Uh, there is one card, for example, one of my AR4, the, the RCS AR4 from Platinum Arceus. My... The one I bought back in October of uh, 2021, it's not e even on there. Like, you can go back to the last year and, like, the PSA 10 is a flat line that says it's 90 bucks. I'm like, I know that's not right. Even if it, yeah. you know, did fall from after, after I bought it, which, you know, it was the only one on the market. There's only, there's only, there's only 14 at the time. So I didn't really have a choice if, if, I, if, I, if I hunted the card, but it, it's not even on there. So it, it is, so that means it's, not all the information is being pulled correctly, but if you use it as a tool to assist, to assist in, in your knowledge and you continue doing more research, it is a great tool for that. I wouldn't solely base everything off of it, but I would use it as an assisting tool. Again, it's pokedata.io. Yeah. One I like or used to go on was um, Pokemon Price. It was kind of from someone on the E4 Pro Boards. Um, it's kind of the same thing, but yeah, like like you said, they all have their flaws. I think Pokey Data has good stuff going forward as well. Um, it doesn't I like have it. all the Japanese sets though, too. That's another thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it is a good tool for like general and like common stuff, like maybe like the latest Charizard Secret Rare. Yep. Um, but yeah, once you get into the little more obscure or less graded stuff. Like you said, the sales are kind of hit and miss on the data they have. But it is nice tracking like newer stuff or kind of more volume-based stuff. 
just kind of get a general idea of what's going on, stuff like that. One cool thing about the Poke Data website is they have this portfolio data. Like you, but you enter your whole portfolio or just what cards you have in your collection, and it tallies it all up for you, and it gives you the market price. And I'm, I'm, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Don't treat it as like a stock market, obviously, but it is pretty cool to see and see it up and down as it tracks it all for you. Because I haven't found a, a good a good. I know you have like TCG player has something like that, but like, like in their app, but it, I don't think to my knowledge, it does the graded and that's a pretty big distinction. Cause that can really change the, the cost of a certain card. Um, but yeah, there's one out there on the app store. I really wish I, I deleted it. Cause yeah, it just didn't have everything. The first card I look up when I go to these things is the Pikachu 20th anniversary Festa promo. And do okay. they have that card or not? Because <laughs> that's like one of my favorite cards of all time. Yeah. And uh, a lot of them don't have it or they have poor data. So. Well, and this side doesn't even have Japanese promos. Not yet, anyways. I'm, I'm hoping that it's just... Um, they're just... The site, I think, is newer, and they're just slowly gathering information. And but you know what? I like the layout. I like like you, this. What you showed me from the person who made the site from E4, it was more descript, but I also didn't like the categorical uh, nature it had. Like it broke things down by year for promos. I did not like that. I like mine broken down by era. Yeah, but but that, but that's just me personally because like. There's a point where like XY and I think SM were releasing promos at like the same time, and so like and, and like the site you showed me like it has both that has XY and like X like XYP, uh, 20, 2016 SM you know twenty seventeen or, or whatever and it was I don't know that just makes my head spin because it's not organized the way I prefer it so yeah the site but, yeah. that app I was thinking about it's the uh, collector app. Um, if you guys kind of graze across some of these apps, um, it's C O L L E C T R. So collector with like T R at the end. Um, it, it allows you to like do all the modern sets and you can almost like check them off and it tells you how much, um, percentage of each set you have and the total value of it. I think you can even put in if it's graded and what grade it is. Um, I'm not exactly sure how their data is, but it, it will track the value of your whole collection as well. Um, and it's got, it's got a lot of stuff. It's got magic, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, Vanguard, Force of Will, Wii Swartz, Final Fantasy, like a lot of more niche ones. Um, Digimon, MetaZoo, all that stuff. They even got Funko on there. So it's just kind of a cool. Funko Pops? I think so. But I guess there, there might be cards. I'm not sure, but yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Like the with the Funko Pops, I know that that's becoming more and more of a collectible niche as well. Yeah, it's been pretty popular for quite some time now, and so all these apps are great for like a cross reference, and uh, they're they're all got their little quirks, and it's all down to what you like. But they're they're out there and getting better each and every day. So yeah, I can't wait to see it in like a couple of years when all the data is more fleshed out and everything. 
because a lot of these apps they really started within the last two years and just all the data they need to input is just kind of insane. But, uh, yeah. Another thing in our main topic, um, though, kind of going down the list, I wanted to check on, um, you know, the influence of each grading company. Like PSA in general is kind of seen as, you know, the go-to for Pokemon. It's It's been pretty consistent like that throughout, you know, all the way back. Um, I would almost say that modern Pokemon is starting to shift towards CGC. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of like that, I think, with Pokemon because PSA just wasn't, you know, as developed yet, and they kind of took on that role. And now that it's been established, PSA is king in Pokemon right now. And for modern stuff, though, just given people's adoption of CGC and the case and all being around enough and people just seeing it more and also, you know, the availability of grading tiers, you know, PSA is still trying to get back open at lower tiers. Um, CGC's kind of taking the cake, in my opinion, for, for modern, but I'm also one that has kind of gotten used to CGC. Um, anything after 2016, I kind of, you know, I run it through my head if I want it in CGC versus PSA. Most of the time I still pick PSA if it's like a Japanese promo, like that beauty looking back. You know, it was just last year, but I'll still try to get that in PSA just because that's what all my other Japanese promos are in. But uh, if it's like a cheaper or especially a set card, like if it's just an alternate art that I like, I'm I'm going to get it in CGC 9.5 but that's all I really buy when I do buy CGC I I like the subgrades and I like 9.5s but they're starting to become a little more pricey now that people are kind of you know on board with the CGC 9.5s so I don't know if that will change for me down the road or if I'm just not going to collect as many set cards anymore because I'm kind of leaning towards that as well we'll see what happens though but I want to say the CGC 9.5s, I mean, I can't say for every card, right? But there have been certain cards that I, I was just curious, cards that I've sold, cards that I was interested in. And the 9.5s in a lot of cases are, I mean, they're already approaching, uh, I would say like 70% of, of a PSA 10. Um, just go, just like, just scrolling through eBay, like not actually, I'm not actually writing down the, the data. It's just a rough estimation just like doing mental math but you know that they, they are it, that that difference is closing in and a lot of the cdc nines and psa nines it is i mean it's pretty close to a one, one verse one um when it comes to the price uh and there are certain things that i'm i've seen from like the cdc pop tool where i can tell you right now if you're if you're sending vintage and a CGC, and your intention is to sell. I say you're wasting your your money. Me personally, um, you're not going to get any tens, pretty much, uh, based on what the data is showing from Wanzi era. Uh, so, if you're expecting tens, you're not going to get it. Now, nine point fives with certain base set, I'm sure could could do decently well, um, but at that point. 
he could have just got the PSA 10. There, there's, I mean, most, I'm going to say most 9.5s, but a good percentage of 9.5s would translate to a PSA 10. I mean, you're just le- leaving money on the table. Like there was the one, there's like what one 9.5 first edition Charizard. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would just, I would just resend that into PSA. Yeah, that'd be so, the only way I would do it. I would buy the 9.5s to like crack them open or just just send her straight to CD or PSA. Yeah. In my opinion, and not not dogging on CGC, it's just like no, not you at know, all. that's just how people see it right now and maybe people will be cracking out PSA 9, strong PSA 9s to try to get the 95 CGC, but that'll be risky too cuz they're kind of so strict but i do i do like the grading scale kind of how it is a lot of people have been kind of giving cgc hate because of the 9.5s and their rare 10 but i mean if you think about it like people see psa as giving out you know 10s pretty regularly now if you're you got somewhat decent card so if you take that psa 10 population and like split it up like 70% PSA 9.5 and then the rest of them PSA 10 like you'd still you'd have the same problem and it's also kind of skewed because people you know it it's more it, I guess the best way to explain this is like it's it's more skewed because all modern and all like the grading volume right now a lot of that is going to CGC and a lot of it is modern, so of course we're going to see a lot of 9s and 9.5s. So it it's almost like the market's being flooded with 9.5s. And in a way it kind of is. But if you took that same grading volume and sent it to BGS, I mean, you'd kind of be in the same boat. If you took all that grading volume and sent it to PSA, and PSA was on a 0.5 grading scale, I think you'd be in the same boat there as well. You know, it's just the fact that CGC... You know, you, it's getting the most eyes. It's getting the most cards graded right now in that modern tier. And uh, we're just seeing it a lot more. And, you know, in way of social media, you know, one person getting a return back, they might have a video on it and it gets 10,000 views. That's 10,000 eyes seeing the same, what they think is a problem because the guy making the video got a lot of 9.5s. But I think it's skewed in that way a little bit. I kind of like it how it is now. I do think the CGC 9.5s need a little more respect. And uh, I'm for most cards, which I haven't really checked this lately, but the 9.5s were even, at best, the same price as a lot of PSA 9s. I mean, sometimes they were even below PSA 9 price. And I think that is kind of messed up. Like, I think the PSA... Nines should be slightly below the CGC nine fives, in my opinion. But I think in due time, that's kind of how it will be. So that's why a lot of people right now are buying up CGC nine point fives, and we're already seeing them creep up. It's because that exact reason. Yeah, and you know CGC tens are difficult to get, and those like we mentioned, how with PSA ten, you can really do pretty well in judging for yourself if it's going to be a 10 or not. Um, with CGC's more strict parameters, 
that's a more difficult thing to to do um and that's why you almost have to buy just a C to C10 because I mean I'll, sometimes it's just a luck of the draw uh if you will get a 10 or not and yeah. and trying to gauge that by your eye I mean you could have a you could have a damn good eye but that that won't matter if there's something that you think shouldn't be counted against it that they will like I had a card with Marnie I didn't think it it was a ink dot that was on the uh, on the border of, of the card, and I got hit with a nine point five surface. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was, what was it nine point five surface, nine point five edges, and tens on the other two. So, and because of that, I got the nine point five. Yeah, you know. So I think PSA that, is more consistent money, like with hitting more tens. Yeah, yeah. And CGC though, if you hit that ten. It might not be as consistent, but it it's a big it's a big swing on the upside. And yeah, everything uh, that I just said could be applied to BGS as well. You know, hit a black label, you're gonna be making some money. Yeah, it's also a little bit of a luck of the draw for black label, right? I mean, you could you can probably guess a or judge a black label. I mean, just same thing with the, with the perfect CGC ten. You notice one. Thing. That's it. It's a nine point five immediately, you know, um, or it, it might not even be a ten because of that one minor, minor. It might even be a flaw. It wasn't even a flaw from you. It would be from the factory, and it might just be a small little whitening. You can't, you can barely even see it. And like, okay, it's a nine point five. You know, that's something you might not be able to ascertain from pictures on eBay or somewhere like that. Yeah, for sure. Just. Gonna be really interesting how it all plays out here in the next few years. Like I said, uh, two years, like let's say two years from now, PSA's got some more tiers open, and CGC's kind of in the same boat. I think CGC nine point five will kind of creep up a little bit. Um, just look at BGS nowadays; like a nine point five BGS is considered, you know, really good. Um, granted, though, they are dealing with more vintage stuff, whereas CGC's modern, so that's another reason why people are thinking the CGC's are flooding the 9.5s, just because you just got a way bigger sample size. Nobody's sending in these giant orders in the BGS right now, unless they're, it's almost like they're grading, like, just key, iconic cards, you know? Well, I... I definitely think people are being more wise about what they're sending off because the value isn't there um, or it isn't there from what it was in 2020. Now that could lead to a variety of factors, but CGC is picking up the slack that has been caused from the PSA backlog. Um, it is going to be very interesting to see what happens when PSA lowers their tiers and what that will mean for the other grading companies. Because whether you like PSA or not, kind of everything is dictated right now around that backlog when it comes to the market, the grading market. Because uh, once that gets cleared out, they start lowering their, their, to their bulk and economy tiers. There's a lot of people that have probably hundreds of thousands of cars that are just waiting to send to, to PSA the moment that they open. Mm. And so... I'm curious, you know, how much that's going to have an effect on 
CGC down the line. I do believe people are still going to continue to use CGC because of one, it's how easy it is. I mean, you, you can do it yourself. Um, now, you can kind of do that with PSA. You can send to a middleman. You can save some some money. Uh, but again, we don't know when, when, when when's that's going to happen. Uh, but I, I'm just really curious to see how the, the some of the data wraps up as that shift occurs because it's going to be a little bit right it's yeah i mean i'm like i'm keeping track of the numbers pretty well for like the full r on beyond dmax um i mean psa is approaching a thousand and whereas cgc it's like 600 Mm -hmm. so i mean there's already a difference people are willing to, to pay that premium already between the umbreon dmax and or with cgc and with psa like it won't. I would have to see like the exact fee. I know for the bulk tier, it's like twenty five bucks. A max max value is like twenty five. So, was it maybe fifty cards, forty? I mean, forty bucks to to grade right now for for that tier, for um, for the Altar Umbreon. Whereas you're paying a hundred minimum. That doesn't even include shipping. Yeah, and that's why I think PSA are doing these like events because they know, like, you know, if you're a member, you get an email where you can like enter and get some event where they open up the $50 tier, you get like an X amount of grading submissions. They're testing the waters because they know they're going to be flooded again. Each tier they open, it's just a new gate. (laughs) They're going deeper in the layers. Um, But it's really cool. I think, you know, they've been doing this $50 tier for quite some time now. And when they go to a collector's event, um, they give out some vouchers for that. This is like the second or third time they sent out like a wave of emails. So they're like, I think they're sending out the email, like testing the waters and then getting the cards back out. So it's good that they're like testing it that way, slow and methodical. But now that they know, you know, they can keep up with the $100 Express and Super Express, you know, they'll keep doing these $50 events until they know. They can keep up with the $50 and then finally open it. And then they'll start hopefully moving down the line even further. But uh going to be interesting how it all plays itself out over the next couple of years for sure. Yeah, this this whole this whole aspect of with grading is with the PSA backlog and its effect and what's going to happen when it opens up. I mean, it's going to it really is going to take probably another at least another year. Yeah. A year from a year from now, maybe more like eighteen months, because we assume when they do open up, open up the excuse me, when they do o- open up the lower tiers, it's going to be quite a bit at once. And I think so. One of the issues with the backlog was the how everybody just sent off everything, but people now, collectors now, sellers now, whatever. They're thinking more smart, more concise about the cars that they send in. So you're not going to have the, I don't know, the Lugia Common that sold for what was it, like a hundred bucks, <laughs> or the, the yeah. Lugia Rare. You know, people you're are not going to have hype and thinking about them. Yeah, more. yeah, you're you're thinking about which cards you're sending, in, and you're thinking about it from the knowledge standpoint that you've gained, and from just where the market's moving to. So 
because of that, I think that's well, I think that's one reason why you're seeing a higher percentage of tens. I mean, you already have that with PSA with hit the expressway. Um, but I think you can translate over that over to CPGC as well with ultra modern products, especially like I'm looking at the percentage now of the full or Umbrian BMX with PSA and the percentage of tens is ridiculous. It is outrageous. 841 graded total 713 PSA 10. Obviously people are, they're, Checking out, they're pre they're pre grading. They're either using their self or they're using pre checks, whatever, before they send in this card. So obviously they're thinking smart about it because if you're sending a hundred dollar card or you spend a hundred what twenty bucks or whatever with shipping in the express to get it graded, you don't want it to come back a nine. Yeah, you want to make sure that it's that ten. And I mean that's one of the misleading aspects of popular with with pop reports, but I just think with you know. That's a whole other thing right there is with ultra modern PSA's tens is almost ridiculous. Like there's enough, there's enough tens that the tens aren't going to be that expensive for these newer sets. I mean, after about a year and a half in, you know, uh, I think think that's tighter. Like, like, you know, people won't be sending in as much like you said, and Mm -hmm. the numbers will tighten down and, I think it'll kind of balance out, but yeah, you got to be thinking about that when more tiers open, like the $50 tier opens today. Like what are people going to be sending in? It's probably everything that you're thinking about sending in as well. And what is that? It's like the, the V max alt arts, the V alt arts from like key Pokemon, like all these sets, like EV heroes or, of all the skies, celebrations, like, yeah, the alt arts, especially the ones that don't quite bust through 500 or push $1,000, like, all those are going to be sent in. So you're going to see some inflation of the supply there. Um, you just got to think ahead with all that stuff. But uh, many things out there, many options to kind of navigate and uh, kind of going back to our grading and raw talk, like that's I think most people nowadays are just kind of shifting to raw, just for all those reasons we explained. You know, it's kind of easy for me because I was always a binder collector and stuff like that, but now I'm leaning more towards grading because I'm starting to chase very specific cards. And you were kind of the opposite, I feel like. You were chasing specific cards, and now you're kind of sliding to, like, the binder collector. So we kind of flip-flopped almost in a way. And I think that's, like, in your case, like, that's what a lot of people are doing now. Like, I'm only not doing that because I kind of was always like that and kind of completed most of my binder stuff or my, my, my binder goals. But uh, I think a lot of people are just kind of taking it easy, enjoying the hobby. All the people who were around in 2020 just for the hype. All the people who followed me on Instagram. Like, I literally went through who I was following. And if they hadn't made a post since 2020 or January 2021, I hadn't followed a lot of those people. Because they were literally just people who were, like, in on the hype and were so into Pokemon posting every single day. And, like, just kind of fell off the face of the earth. And uh, hopefully a lot of those guys are still collecting 
and maybe they were just getting into the hype of wanting to post their collections and stuff like that. But uh, the people who are here for the long term, those are the ones who are just kind of chilling out, just riding the wave, you know, kind of exactly like you're doing, just taking their time, building the binder sets they want, enjoying buying the stuff they're enjoying the most, not chasing all the clout and all that. Who knows what the future will hold? I think we're going to have another another boom. I watched this guy on YouTube. He's going to these card shows. It's a sports card collecting channel and a lot, you know, a lot of the sports collecting channels are big on like card shows and going around and doing videos on them and almost every person they interact with who has a child, you know, they ask like, "Oh, what do you collect?" 90% of the time it's Pokemon. And uh Literally just watched a video last night. Guy walked up. Oh, he watches you a lot on YouTube. We we collect baseball and all that. And, you know, oh, what's your favorite thing to collect? And was well, still Pokemon. Like, these kids were watching sports channels, but they still like to collect Pokemon. So it's going to be around a long time. And their nostalgia when they grow older is going to be these last two years that we had. So that's going to be that's why this era, this era is going to be very notable down down the line because of that. Yeah, this era is going to have a lot of nostalgia for even amongst the adults, not not just the kids. I can't tell you how often I'm seeing again anecdotal, but I'm sure it's not an exception to the rule. um, Parents or dads or whatever, buying cards and stocking up on cards from this era, and they plan on opening it with their kid when they're, like, seven years old or something like that. Yeah. And I've, I've seen quite hide a bit of those type of posts. Um, so in this era, I think, down the line, is going to be remembered very, very well. Uh, not so much for the promos. We can get on that one later, but the, uh, but the alt-arts especially. Um, those are the ones that are, are not just era defining, but they're almost hobby, hobby changing in some ways. Because now that we got a taste of that, we want more. We 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 want this amazing art on our cards. We want these beautiful cards with stunning artwork that we never knew we wanted until we were shown. <laughs> yeah. What they could do, and you know, some of the best promos, for example, with, with Japanese. I mean, they're full arts, and they have a, they have some amazing art. Usually, amazing artwork is a telltale sign that long term collectors are going to love that card. And you know, you're you're talking about like how, you know PSA, PSA, and how they're very influential because they really dictate a lot within the rating community because they were they've been with Pokemon. Pokemon has been with PSA since the, since the very beginning. One thing that I wonder is with PSA, like with PSA's tens, we've seen that the percentage that Ultra Modern is giving back with PSA tens, and again, that can be misleading because the bulk orders haven't been sent up or sent out. I mean, but collectors like scarcity rarity and even end of this perception of like oh i have one of 110s in the whole world 
Now, with PSA 10, you can't say that. Reflect back to what I've said multiple times by the Charizard from Champions Path, the one that has like 8,000 tens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's not a much, there's not a lot of uh, selectivity there. Like you and 8,000 other people have that 10. So many tens that it may never, ever go back up in price because there's so many tens. It's so plentiful because everybody graded it as soon as they went from pack to, to card saver to PSA. Yeah. And I believe that is one reason why in the future, quite some time down the line, CGC tens from this era are going to maintain that premium over PSA tens because of that. Now, it's interesting to look at some of these 10 rates for Sun and Moon to now. Some, some, you know, is that why some might say, is that, you know, there might be more tens of CGC. I'm not sold on that yet. Um, that's anecdotal. We don't have evidence of that. There's a lot of factors that could lead to more tens being introduced into the, uh, into the market or receiving back. It could be if they're newer cards, there was a noticeable stock change in, in celebrations. Quality has become better with these sets. They are no longer abysmal like it was from Battle Styles. So those two factors alone, and then the other factor we've already mentioned with people being more selective about what they're saying in the grade. Now, there is obviously not quite as much CGC tens for the, the more popular sets, the easily accessible sets right now for Ultra Modern that includes Celebrations and Evolving Skies. But it's not impossible. Like, the percentage is somewhere between, like, 3 and 10%. Uh... The older the set, the worse it is usually. But because they are feasible and there is less of them, I do believe down the line they will have more value, partially because of that in this era. There's how many people are grading with CGC exclusively right now because of PSA's cost per card factor. We're going to have a lot of cards, some might consider even junk slabs, from this era graded that people aren't going to grade with, with PSA. But it's not even... I mean, you have the premier cards of each set are still going to PSA. But the ratio... The difference between the two isn't exactly crazy anymore. Yeah. I think, so, like, what you said about Champion's Path, like, I want the shiny version, the Charizard V, not necessarily the VMAX, because I don't think it looks as good. But I still want to get a shiny Charizard V from Champion's Path. I'll probably get it in a CGC grade since it's a post-2016 set card, just because that's what I'm going with in my collection. But I'll probably just buy it in a 9.5 because I don't really buy CGC 10s. But because I'm thinking about buying that card specifically and only wanting a 9.5, I'm still waiting. You know, this is two years plus out, really. Um, or maybe like a year and a half out of that set. I'm still waiting because, yeah, there's just so much supply that I am in no rush to get that card. Whereas, like, the beauty looking back Pikachu... I'm kind of starting to think like, all right, I, I probably need to buy that card pretty soon, you know, because it, like you said, there's just so many, many graded. And to your other point about the popularity of Pokemon down the line, like I know for a fact 
that this era is going to be nostalgic for kids today, adults today, even us today. Yep. Because that's exactly what happened with me already. I got back into collecting on like Gen 4 and then a little bit like pretty much like Diamond and Pearl was the main spot. The start of Diamond and Pearl, I still had access to like some old EX packs and like Walmarts because they were trying to sell the rest of them. And now to this day, like the Diamond and Pearl games and the cards from that era are some of the most nostalgic to me because that's what I opened up when I came back into the hobby. And I'm, I consider myself like a Watsy guy through and through and old school collector first. But as far as nostalgia, you know, I've played through the original game so many times and seen so many base set cards. Like, they just don't do what they used to for me in a way. But when I look at those Diamond and Pearl cards, like, that's where it's at for my nostalgia. And I'm going to feel that again for this era because it's so popular. Yeah, I, uh, I really do think, like me personally, this is just my opinion, I think Ultra Modern, the 10s, I, I know I've said it again, but the Ultra Modern for 10s for CKDC is, I think, going to reign over PSA 10 in 15, 20 years. If, because collectors, as I said, collectors like having that scarcity factor. Like, you can say... I'm only 100 people that has a 10, whereas PSA, you can't say that. I'm one of 8,000 people that has this PSA 10 Charizard. Yeah. And now people do like 10s to complete goals. You know, that's some people's issue with CDC, especially with Vintage. Like, you're not going to complete goals with CDC 10s. And most people, like, and if you're trying to go for 10s, you're probably, like, you're not going to have, or not, not as many people are going to go for the 9.5s. Just to collect 9.5s. I mean, you will have because of budget. You'll there will always be exception to the rule. But as a whole, if you can, especially with cards you want, you you want that 10, right? Yeah, I I still collect 9.5s in a little extent, just because like for CGC 9.5s, like I'm not really buying those, like thinking they'll go up much in value. Like sure, they'll go up a little bit, but for me, it's like the perfect bang for my buck. Like I like doing the 9.5s because I'm buying a decent condition card and I want it for my collection just because this era is so nostalgic. And I even have a set of the starter hollows from the McDonald's promos, but I only got those in the CGC 9 because I I was like, I don't care if these are worth money. Like I just want them to look at them 20 years from now and like, oh, I remember when these were at McDonald's, stuff like that. But uh just kind of applying the same method of collecting like I have always done, just collecting for the fun of it. And for those cards, like I don't want to spend a hundred dollars on those McDonald's promos. Cause I could spend a hundred dollars in better ways. So I just go for the, the cheaper option versus the, just getting a decent card. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's really all I had to say about the uh, most things we covered so far. How about you? Well, yeah, I was just going to say as a, a part of that was one important thing is, in collecting is 
acknowledging your budget, what you can possibly spend on Pokemon. And that extends to graded cards as well. Especially if it's a card you like, but it's not a part of your main goals. It's like, I really I really like this card, but I don't want to be dishing out that premium for a 10. And at that point, you just kind of have to gauge, like, prior, you know, with budget and prioritization. You have to really decide for yourself if that's something that you want to do. And I think that's very important because a lot of people have, and I'm sure still are, buying PSA 10s to show off on social media, like, just to, just, just to show off. And it's not even so much about collecting the card. They just want to show off that they have this in the 10. And, you know, that's a, uh, I, I don't know a lot of people that do do that, that enjoy the hobby. It feels like they're just enjoying the karma that they're getting on social media. But, you know, those people aren't going to be in the hobby in five years. Yeah. Most likely, you know, those people are going to fizzle out one way or another. And then they're going to try to sell all their product for 60% of what they paid for it just to, just to sell all the probably. But, um, if it's like a, if for most stuff like I'm buying nowadays, I'll buy the nine. Like nine is way more than enough for me. Um, with the Japanese promos though, like I'll try to get those in a 10 just because I'm usually buying those raw and I could find tens. But I also, they're like some of my favorite cards of all time. So like those I'll, I'll kind of pay up for. But if I'm buying a card just because I like it from here on out, I mean, I'm, more than happy with the nine and if i'm grading i'll try to squeeze out a 10 but and I, that's a great way to and I say that that's a great way of going about doing it collecting the cards and tens that you really 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 love that you really enjoy yeah and if i get cards back and one one of them's a 10 and the other of the sets a nine i'll a lot of times sell the 10 and buy a nine make a little money so. yeah i mean or you can do that you know you can always go back and buy the 10 again yeah. I'm, I'm kind of the same way, though, as you. Like, whenever I, I receive 10s, I you see what the 10s are going for, and it's like, I can buy a 9 on the same card and then use this difference towards another part of my collection goals. You know, you just that's how you just start thinking, trying to be cost-effective. How can you translate this 10 to something else? Yeah. But, you know, like, there's a, like some of the Japanese promos that you're looking at or that I know that you like, they're arguably the best promos ever made a few a few of them are um and it's the desire to have those type of cards in a 10 especially ones you just love the artwork for i think every collector can understand and empathize with that because we we're, we're all in that same situation like for example for me it was the rcs ar cards like wanting to have certain tens and prioritizing the cards that have the lowest percentage of tens first to get those out of the way in case there's ever, I mean, I, I don't see it happening anytime soon, but in case they go up in price again, you know, I got the, I got the rarest ones out of the way. And I use that prioritization aspect to find tens that I think were important to buy at, at the time. Yeah. A lot of ways to go about it, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Hopefully that, that shed some insight to you guys about, stuff you got to think about you know we kind of spiral down the the grading rabbit hole once again which won't be the last time but everything mentioned i think goes back to graded versus raw some things you got to think about you know for the most part raw is the most enjoyable easier 
way to go. You can buy a lot more. You can buy binder sets. I'm going to preach raw a lot of times. But when you think about grading, you got to think about all these factors that we just mentioned. But, uh, you know, that's kind of where the hobby's going now. It's about what your collection's worth or the quality of the card. And you really, truly only know that when it's graded. Like, I really don't even know the value of my collection because I that was a downside of me collecting raw this whole time. You know, I have a lot of stuff that I need to grade and now I'm going to be paying more grading it later because it's went up in value. But, uh, yeah, I'm okay with that because I'm here for the long haul and join the hobby for the right reasons. So. And I was just going to say, yeah, I just say that. So just, just say one more thing with PSA, they have a niche within the sports community. Obviously, they're they're king in, in the sports uh, hobby as well. But one thing that CHGC has done to increase their niche within the market and the industry is they grade. They really tried hard to gear towards Pokemon, and not just Pokemon, but your Magic and your Miscellaneous TCG cards. And that niche, as it develops, can create loyalty towards CGC, which is something that down the road will, be, I think, become important, as that loyalty between... Basically, CGC, I feel like, caters to the nerd. PSA caters to more of, like... I mean, they have Pokemon, but I feel like they cater more towards the sports world, right? Yeah. So the you got, like, the... collector and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So you got, like, the... You got like the true, I don't want to say the true collector, but you have a collector enthusiast slash nerd slash profiteer and jock. That's kind of like the different, if you, if you were going to break down to how each grading company was between the two, I feel like that's a good description of yeah. how the, the grading companies are. And CDC, I think down the road is going to really, really benefit from going hard from that niche that they, that they carved out with their CGC comics. Yeah. I do like sending air stuff to CGC as well. Like you said, the miscellaneous, like they do a really good job with that. Any air yep. card I get, I like the way they label it. They break it down and I'm not going to send any air cards to PSA because of that reason, <laughs> even if it's like Watsy or modern, I mean, CGC pretty much captured that in my mind. So Well, and also with PSAs, you have many, many, you mentioned it with CGC, but you have a lot of social media influencers push PSA as well. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of those aren't the same people that are have become attracted to CGC. Yeah. Well, I guess we better jump into the Q&A. With that said, a lot of good info there. Might be a lot to break down, but uh, we do like the long-form podcast. We're shooting for about an hour and 30 to two hours every episode, so hopefully you guys are liking that. I know we might cram a lot of info sometimes, but uh, it's all good on our end if it's good on your end. So let us know some feedback below. But with that, we just got a quick Q&A section in our game corner, which is the uh, flavor text where we guess our favorite Pokemon again. But uh, let's start with the questions. What question do you have, Philip? You want to go first on this one? Yeah. Um, one of the things that we kind of hinted on it a little bit, but what do you think would happen if CDC reconsidered their grading scale? 
if they did reconsider, like what, what part of it do you think they would reconsider? Like make tens easier? Yeah. I think the, the easiest thing to do would be to make it to have two 9.5s like EGS does instead of having one 9.5 per 10. And so if you make it two 9.5s and two 10s, that's a 10. If they made the grading scale like that, that would that alone would probably increase their tens probably about twenty percent, um, enough to where it's not so much that it's going to dilute the, the the ten field, but enough to where your the consumer is happy about getting the possibility of more tens because it makes it hard, but it makes it obtainable. Right now, CDC is obtainable for ultra modern, but it's still pretty difficult. Like it's like less than 10% still. So. Yeah. I think, like I said earlier, I think it's good how it is. I think they should just stretch it out a little bit, like make everything in general a little tighter. The, the tens are okay. Make 9.5s a little harder, make nines a little harder, make 8.5s a little harder. I'm not really a big fan of the 0.5 grades when you get out of 9.5. A lot of people, I'd say, kind of hate that. Maybe you could make the 8.5, but uh, maybe make the lower grades more broad and maybe make the upper grades more fine-tuned and stretched out. And maybe you only need like a a 1 through 7 scale or 1 through 8 scale, and then you go to an 8.5, 9, 9.5, 10. Like that would be ideal. So you avoid like the 5.5s and dumb stuff like that. But uh, as far as like the quality they're doing now, I I like it. But it would be nice if they kind of pulled back the 9.5s and 9s and spread them out a little bit just so you didn't have too much of a flooded feeling, especially with modern. But I think kind of goes back to something else I said. I think that's only because that's what we're seeing the most of. Everyone's sending modern to CGC. I think we would say the same thing or complain about the same things if PSA was a 0.5 scale and they had their lower tiers open. I think you would see the same at BGS if they actually were seen as like a modern grader or people respected them more for modern. But uh, yeah, I kind of like how it is. I just think it does seem a little cluttered but i know that that's kind of skewed in my mind just because all the other factors but i'm kind of okay with it how it is but then again i'm not grading with cgc i'm not sending a lot of things in i'm only buying already graded 9.5s so yeah i don't really have much too much to say or worry about if they've readjusted their scale i think people would be generally you know, I guess across the board, a lot of people would be you know more upset that they made the nines and nine point fives harder. But if they left the tens the same, then maybe it's a good thing. I don't know how that would really play out. I, I think, think I easiest... think it would accelerate people valuing the nine point five more. But I already think that's going to happen if we just stay how we are as well. Yeah, before I I felt like before seeing some of the numbers, I felt like it might be something CGC should do. Um, but then you took take a look at ultra modern product and the percentages of that you're seeing, and it's it's around ten percent. You know, 
a little bit less in some areas, like five or six. But, you know, it's enough to where I don't think a new grading scale is needed. The only thing that would need to change is for the 10s to absorb some of the 9.5s. And I think the easiest way is just making it to where two 9.5s equate to a 10 instead of just one 9.5 and three 10s. That'd be the easiest way. That way you're not lowering your standards. You're just literally numerically changing up the grading scale. That doesn't change... I guess that's kind of what I was trying to say too. Okay, yeah. Yeah, okay, I, uh, guess, yeah I, I guess mean, we're thinking the same. Yeah, because I think if you don't change up, there's no need to change up everything lower. It's just how can we make more tens? And the easiest way to do it would just be to change up the grading scale at the top because they already do manipulate the grading scale in terms of how how they calculate it, right? Like with eight point fives, you know, you can have it can equal it can be like eight point seven five and it could equate to a nine, whereas they don't follow that same formula for the the ten because they're trying to make tens hard. And like I said, it works for ultra modern, but when it comes to anything older than like a set that's pre evolutions, or even evolutions, I would do PSA because evolutions was such a crap set in terms of quality control. But it's just it it comes down to. Are you trying to, to make consumers happy or are you trying to become a staple within the hobby? It's just where do you go from here? And I think if they are, if they were going to do it, they need to do it ASAP or just run with it. Because if they don't do it soon, then you got more and more cards that are in the, that have been graded. And then you got more and more customers that could be upset. Yeah. I think they should just run with it and maybe also implement it a little bit, like be a little more lenient on the tens, maybe a little more stricter on the nine, maybe stricter to get into that category, but more lenient versus like the 9.5 and the tens or something like that. Yeah. But anyway, uh, my question was, um, given the Pokemon buying the Millennium Printing Company, um, what do you think their influence would be in like Magic or Yu-Gi-Oh? Because they hinted to serve the broader industry. What do you think them buying that company means for Magic or Yu-Gi-Oh? Like anything that might not be secondarily evolved. I would think they're trying to, like whenever I first saw it, my first interpretation was they're trying to get a piece of that pie. They're seeing the growth of other TCGs and other um, anime-related cards and being printed. And they're like, well, if we buy this printer, this printing group, they'll have to pay us a certain amount so we can print their cards. Now, I don't think they're trying to, like, manipulate the market. I, I, I I don't see that. I think they're trying to get it to where they have to give them money. That That's how I see it. Now, I could be mistaken. Yeah, but... I think... Oh, to go ahead, if you got something... Well, else. I was just going to say, I think they, they want these companies to cut them a check. Now, they could go the more cynical aspect, and they could just say, we're going to increase the prices on this, so that means you got to increase the products on, on your, your goods. 
Yeah. Like they could try. I mean, they could. There's other printers, but from my understanding, it's like one of the biggest printing groups in all North America. So. I think I'm thinking kind of long lines of you as well, but I think. I don't think they're going to be targeting like Magic or like these big TCGs. I think they're going to be targeting the little guys. Like, I think they're willing to say, hey, like, obviously their brand isn't going anywhere and they're making so much money. So, like, all these up and coming TCGs, if they want to work with them or make some like low print products that isn't going to really interfere, interfere a lot with the Pokemon printing then I think they'll work with those or give those smaller guys an avenue to grow because all in all, there's really not much threat to the business. I don't think they will necessarily be working with like magic or wizards of the coast, you know, as far as that goes, but, uh, you know, maybe some of the smaller guys are kind of helping them out in a way and also making a little side money and also not feeling threatened by the little guy because once they get well, big I mean, enough and like wizards of the coast obviously has their own printing stuff or magic, but yeah, once the little guys get big enough, they'll have their own stuff too. But well, you could just say what they're trying to do is absolutely obliterate the competition because right now there are a lot of different card companies and different types of sets. Like you have magic, you, like you, you mentioned it, you have the, the, the Wii set, you have, you have uh, Dragon Ball, you have Demon Slayer, you have uh, Not to mention Magic, all like the Kickstarter TCGs and like Metazoo. small scale stuff. Yeah, so you so I mean, I know they're having some competition over in Japan, but I don't think Japan is too I mean they obviously want to they want to become number 1 again, right, for Pokémon, but I don't think that they're trying to corner the market and they're trying to raise the prices for these companies out here out West. I mean, we could be wrong. We absolutely could be wrong. I, I just don't see Pokemon behave like that from, from my knowledge of the company. I would be surprised they're trying to kill their competition. Like, Oh, you can, cause, cause they, you would want them to print on you. Cause if they're not, if you're not going to let them print for you, they're going to go to someplace else. Yeah. So unless you buy all these other printing groups out, you're going to have a hard time. Yeah, so I, I, and it is specifically see... the North America division, like the Pokemon company doing this. So in yeah. a way, they're a little detached from Japan, but and they might have more of a, a greedier or like corporate plan that's more aggressive than like, you know, the actual corporate back in Japan, but. Yeah, there'll be a little bit of that going on, I think. They just want more transparency and control across the board, in a way. Yeah. And it makes sense. So, well, because that's our two questions. Uh, let us know what you guys think in the description about the questions. Do you guys have any other opinions on them? Or, like, the biggest, like I said, the biggest news and question kind of about that, that company takeover? We really just don't know what it will entail or or what these other companies will have to go through to work with them essentially but uh, time will tell and uh with that i guess we should head to the game corner eh let's do it the game corner game i corner. think you might figure this out but we'll see <laughs> yeah so this is the uh, game corner guys it's a 
We're, we're doing flavor text for our game now. Games might change week to week, but flavor text, we read the flavor text, which is a small description on a lot of Pokemon cards you see. They don't really do it too much now on full arts and whatnot. You might find it on the common card. Back in the day, the old hollows where they had more text on them, they popped it in there, but it's basically going to be a description of a Pokemon, and we guess that Pokemon. Bonus point if you guess the set. We're starting out kind of with Gen 1, Gen 2, but we might expand a little bit in the future. So, who should go first? I'll go ahead and go first. Um, all right. Are you ready? All right. Yep. Give it to me. Oh, okay. Is it? <laughs> no, go ahead. No, no. Uh, dispatches its prey with fire, but it regrets this habit once it realizes that it has burned its intended prey to a charred crisp. Hmm. So, thinking fire. You know what type it is? Thinking you know fire Pokemon, obviously. <laughs> I don't really want to like think of an overly aggressive fire type since he feels bad afterwards. I'm gonna go with Arcanine. Incorrect. How about Growlithe? Incorrect. Hmm. Kind of want to say Magmar, but I feel like he wouldn't care if they were burnt to a crisp. How about a... Well, it's not Charizard, is it? No, it isn't. Maybe give me one more little hint. You've seen this card in person before. Uh, okay, I guess that's not really a good hint. <laughs> <laughs> so I've seen a lot. Okay, okay. It's a, um, how about this? It's in Brilliant Stars. I'm just going to go ahead and say this set. Is it the Magmar? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a Magmar art. Yeah, from uh, from Shinji Kanda. Um an artist, an up-and-coming artist, that was his first card, and we really love his work, and we can't wait to see more of it, especially I can't wait to see all darts from this guy because I think they're going to be incredible, and they are going to fetch a pretty penny, because the artwork is might be some of the best artwork that we've seen in a long time. Nice. I should have just said Magmar. I, I wouldn't think Magmar would be a Pokemon to feel bad. He's kind of like the tough Well, guy. if you think of if you think about from the anime, like from what they showed from the anime, he's always been kind of modest, though, right? I mean, you got to really think about this one. Kind of. You know, really, really break it down, but yeah. Oh. All right, you ready for mine? Yeah, we'll see if I get it. <laughs> I mean, this one, it kind of gives away the type a little bit as well. Okay. But... Well, it, it says a couple things. It actually kind of gives three type hints, but <laughs> you got to okay. kind of piece it together. All right. So, the rain clouds it carries let it fire thunderbolts at will. They say that it descended with lightning. Level 40. <laughs> I don't know why they put that level on there, but. What you got? First one that comes to mind for me is Zapdos. Is that a final answer? 
No. Um... <laughs> it might be. What's one of my answers? Can we, can we, can we drive Zapdos for, for uh It's not Zapdos. One? It's not Zapdos, okay. <laughs> Uses its thunderclouds. The rain clouds it carries let it fire thunderbolts at will. They say that it descended with lightning. Hell cares for clouds. It's gen first two gens. God, I'm, I'm gonna kick myself whenever we get to it. Um, it is a lightning or electric a, type. I mean that that kind of gives it away with the thunderbolts and lightning, but that's your half of a hint. I got another hint that would really kind of narrow it uh, down. Yeah, I guess we do one more. But it's starting to become a little too much. <laughs> a little right. too easy, but yeah, we'll, the, it'll do one more. The full, the full text is, The rain clouds it carries, let it fire thunderbolts at will. They say that it descended with lightning. Level 40, number 243. Is that Raikou? It is Raikou. I would say 243 can only be a legendary if it's that in. Okay. I'd yeah, kind of the that's, end that's of Gen why, 2. Yeah. Kinda. That's why you uh, left off that last pick because that would have yeah. gave it away. Yep. I knew it was a legendary, right? It had to have been a legendary with that it's with that sort of vernacular. So. Very uh, legendary type description. Yeah. But, yep, Reiku, specifically from Neo Revelation, the one where he's like laying down and. Just I was about to say, off. yeah, is this that, is it the chilling one? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Pretty cool, chill card. But all right, and that, uh, yeah, pretty Go much ahead. does it for the game corner. Um, gonna wrap it up though. I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. Um, this one kind of being a little longer than I expected. I was expecting the one last week to be. Maybe one of our longer ones, but this one turned out to be pretty long as well. Um, might be our longest, but we'll try to uh, let you guys know any updates with the news that we saw. Be sure to check out our link tree and our Instagram and our YouTube. Link tree will be in the description of the podcast on the YouTube video if you're watching over there. Be sure to check things out. Um, Let's see. Got a couple notes. Um, For just the next wanted, episode? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, next episode. I did want to say, though, this was kind of more of an info slash experience driven podcast, whereas like our last one was a serious, like deep discussion. What do you guys think of that layout? Do you like more of a like a free balling, deep conversation? And then like the next episode being like more data driven or specific topic? And kind of alternating that way. Um, let us know what you guys think. Because next week's episode is going to kind of be more of like a free balling type conversation. And it is going to be about our Pokemon team. A.K.A. like our favorite Pokemon. And not just where we talk about why that Pokemon's cool. We're going to be kind of playing in a little market discussion into that by discussing why they're important to us, what they mean to the TCG, the anime, 
some of their iconic cards, how affordable they are, how they've been performing. So it's kind of a blanket term of like who is our top six Pokemon of all time, but we'll also do a little deep dive into each one. And uh, I don't know about you, but this might be the one I'm most excited about, just sitting back, talking about your favorite Pokemon. Yeah. That's kind of I, what the hobby in, engulfs in a way. Yeah. I like to call it our Pokemon Team 6, you know, kind of like our heel Team 6, you know. Who would you who would you have in battle? Who, who are some of your favorites? And there is something from one of my favorites that I don't see any YouTuber or even any anybody in comments and Discord have ever suggested one thing I've noticed with one of my favorite Pokemon and how it relates to the TCG. And don't think it's groundbreaking or it shouldn't be groundbreaking, but I think it's something to consider 15, 20 years down the road when collecting from today. It's just, just, again, it's a long time down the road, but hopefully you enjoy something I have to say about one of my favorite Pokemon. Yep, a lot of little kind of market speculation or future talk or... Yeah, where we see those cards or those characters going is going to be all involved in there. So be sure to check us out. This is going to be two weeks from this upload date, which should be a Sunday. We usually record on Thursday, uploads on Sunday. And, of course, being a bi-weekly podcast, we just try to really plan it out and get as much quality info out there as we can. But, uh, yeah, guys, thank you all for watching, and we'll see you in the next one. Until next time, peace.